Hello and welcome back to the new series of Channel 4's Unreported World podcasts. I'm Krishnan Gurumurthy. This week, I've been to South Africa to find a story of simmering anger, corruption and potential uprising, where despite 17 years of freedom after the racism of apartheid, the people I met speak of betrayal. Johannesburg, the centre of Africa's biggest economy. Modern, growing, an inspiration for the continent. Yet I was beginning a journey that would reveal shocking realities. A country where the poorest people are often robbed by corrupt officials. A country whose most powerful people stand accused of creaming off astonishing wealth. People in the townships, they say, how is Mr Malema getting a new, expensive mansion when I've been waiting decades? A country whose ambition to lead the continent as a prosperous democracy hangs in the balance, where those people exploited by racism for generations are starting to lose hope of ever getting what they believe was promised. This is our land. We were raised here, we will die here. In the poor South African townships, many people are angry. Violent protests have erupted this year at the lack of decent housing and basic services like electricity. It was this frustration we wanted to explore. We're driving through Deep Sloot, one of the most dangerous and heaving squatter camps in South Africa, where every night people fear for their lives and where they say their government has forgotten them. I had come to see a man who's lived in the shacks since he was a boy, who now documents the brutality of the slum. Is it Golden? Yes. Krishnan, hi. How are you doing? Nice to see you. How are you doing? So this is Deep Sluice Extension 1? This is Deep Sluice Extension 1. I can't see much because it's pitch dark in there. It might look like as if there is nobody living in there, but I mean, this is home for, for most of the people. It's all shacks, yeah, and it just goes shacks. on and on and on. Before we went further into Deep Sluice, Golden wanted to take me back to his shack. He makes a living as a journalist, reporting scenes of violent crime and the mob justice that rules here. His images were shocking. Oh, my God. But most awful was a recent video of a man falsely accused of being a criminal being beaten to death by a crowd. So this is the Wild West. There's no law here at all. Life is too cheap here. You can die for anything. Even 20 rand or just a cell phone, one will take your life away. We went further into the squatter camp to meet more of the people living there. Down one of the dark alleys, Golden introduced me to Philippine. Hello. Hi. <laughs> How are you? I'm fine and you? Come on in, Alex. She had moved here from a rural village in search of work as a domestic in the homes of Johannesburg's rich. She never imagined it would be like this. It must be frightening for you being here on your own without your husband at this time. When I'm alone, I'm afraid, but then I close the door and keep it locked. 
They break the chain to open the door, then they come in and see if you're up. Then when you get up, you find someone robbing you. They take things like mobile phones or demand money. And if you don't have it, they will kill or hurt you. I have to say, it's a very intimidating atmosphere because it's pitch dark out there. You, you wouldn't look out of the door because you don't know what is there, especially knowing how much crime there is in this area. It was just 7.30 at night, but pitch dark. Time for Philippine to chain the door. Even to go to the toilet, she said, was too dangerous. There are 182 squatter camps in Johannesburg alone. By day, the scale and density of Deep Sloot is astonishing. 200,000 people live here. Philippine was collecting water at the one tap she shares with everyone on her block, next to the shared toilet. Now I understood what she'd meant the night before. There was a bullet hole in the door where a neighbour had been shot and robbed. What Philippine really needed was a proper place to live. Hi, can we come in? Hi, Krishnan, nice to see you. Your husband and... They were making a family lunch, but without their family. For while they wait their turn for a decent state-subsidised home, they are separated from their four children. I can't imagine my children living far away. That must be very difficult for you. We can't live with them here. The place is small and it's not safe. It's painful that we don't live with them. But Philippine then told me that she should by now be living in a state-subsidised house. She had the papers and the keys. But when she went to move in, she found another family already there. So what do you have here? So this is again another receipt. Waiting list application. And do you also have a key? This is my key, but I lost my house. Can I see the key? My 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 husband is twelve sixty-five. Twelve sixty-five. And so you went there and found a family living there. I applied, then they called me to come and sign for the house. When I got to the house, the people inside told me this is not your house, this is ours. Philippines said the people were from another township. When confronted, they could not produce any paperwork and refused to say how they'd got their houses. For five years, she and others like her had pleaded with the authorities to help. They suspected that a local housing official had sold the homes that had already been assigned to them. I think my house, they sold my house to another person. It's because these people are corrupt, man. Are very corrupt, these people in Dixie. They're very corrupt. I'm sick and tired of them. They can't even explain to us what is happening, what is going to be happening. But I know that my house is or was sold to somebody else. Last year, Johannesburg Council acknowledged housing fraud was an issue and in response set up a special unit to root out corruption. 
We'd heard about one local official helping people jump the housing queue for bribes. As I went to find Golden to see if we could investigate, it was easy to see why people would be so desperate to get out of here. It's all very well having communal toilets that are plumbed into a sewer, but the sewer is broken and it has been for a long time. And this is literally raw sewage just running down the street. It stinks. It's disgusting. I can see a child walking through it. Golden rang the official, Albert Setwetwe, a former ANC councillor now working for local government. He was posing as a desperate father, looking for help getting his family out of a squatter camp. Hello, Abut Albert. Hello, Albert. I will need to see you. Talking on the phone is not right. Yes, when can I see you? We can meet tomorrow. When you come, come prepared with something for my hard work so we can push things forward. All right, thank you, my brother. Yeah, the deal is on, but then he would like us to meet tomorrow by 10 o'clock. So we followed Albert's instructions and sent an undercover reporter to meet him with money at a shopping mall near Deepsloot. Albert was there and keen to get down to business. Houses are available. They are standing by. Albert told how he could help get our reporter a state-subsidised house in a development called Cosmo City, even though he didn't qualify for it. Are there others you've helped? Oh, lots. Even last week, we put 18 people in. Which means I can get it quickly. That's why I want something up front. The amount in total is 5,000. 5,000 rand can take several months to earn if you're poor. Albert took 1,500 as a down payment, saying it was for other officials. I'll call you on Monday. OK, Hussiam. Yeah. No, thanks. It was nice meeting you. OK, sure. Thank <laughs> you so much. Okay. All right. But corruption doesn't just infect low-level officials here. Allegations surround some of the most powerful people in South Africa, from the chief of police to President Zuma's family to the man many tip as a future president, Julius Malema. Malema is president of the ruling ANC's Youth League. His lifestyle has long seemed at odds with his modest ANC salary. It's been a source of constant headlines. Well, all the controversy surrounding Julius Malema is around the house that he is building in this very rich suburb of Santon in Johannesburg. And we're off now to try and find the house to see what the fuss is about. In the apartheid years, this was an exclusively white area. Yeah, this is it. Now it's also home to a new generation of wealthy black South Africans. OK, stop here. So here's the site of the new Malema mansion. Now, the rumour is it's about 16 million rand building cost, which is about one and a half million pounds. We can't confirm that. He refuses to comment on those numbers. But clearly, a building this size 
is going to be an expensive undertaking and people want to know where he gets his money. Okay, sorry, sir, I was removing from the side. You're not allowed here. You're not allowed here. We're not allowed here. No. No. No media, no. No media, thanks. no people, thanks. Close, close your eyes, eyes and go. We don't have to close our eyes. Yeah, but you mustn't cry. Yes, but you mustn't cry if my people come and damage your stuff. Sorry, what's that? Nothing, Nothing to do with you. Just get Just get Just get you off the side, please, sir. At the ANC headquarters in Johannesburg, Julius Malema had called a press conference. It was a chance to ask him about his new house. People in the townships, they say, how is Mr Malema getting a new, expensive mansion in expensive parts of town when I've been waiting decades? Where do I get money to build such a mansion within a short space of time? It's none of your business. Mind your business. How I made you, you, well, you're here to justify. Uh-uh, oh, I didn't come to justify. I came here to tell you to mind your business. I'm not here to justify to you. Well, I'm just asking you about what the poor people say about rich ANC politicians. And they say, why are they living so well when we're living so badly? It's not about where we stay. Our people know that very well. It's not about the type of shoes we wear. That is petty. Over the last year, other prominent politicians and civil servants have been involved in a number of corruption scandals. However, the state had been trying to introduce new secrecy laws that some believe are part of a clampdown on journalists trying to uncover high-level fraud. I met investigative reporters Mzilikazi Wa Africa and his colleague Stefan Hofstadter. What do you think the government's trying to do here? Anything that they think would intimidate us from legal threats, from public blustering, to attacking the credibility of the journalists personally. There's increasing evidence of state resources being abused to put journalists under surveillance, um, to, to monitor their movements, to monitor their phone calls, to monitor their sources' phone calls. You make this sound like an authoritarian state. If the president of this country doesn't, doesn't discipline some of his ministers, some of his uh, politicians, we're getting there. I fear that we, are, we, are, we might be becoming a banana republic sooner than later. We contacted the Department of State Security about the journalists' claims. They declined to comment. Cliptown, an historic place where the anti-apartheid movement famously demanded equality in the Freedom Charter, but where 40,000 people still live in the squatter camp. Where better to test how people feel about their politicians now? I've been invited in for the night by the Antuli family. Anna and Philemon recalled the freedom struggle. Perhaps naively, they had believed the new South Africa would deliver them from this sort of life. Do you trust the politicians and the local leaders? I don't trust them at all. Why not? How can you? Once they get to the top, they forget about you. Once they have your vote, they are done with you. I don't have any hope. Because we've been voting for them for a long time. Where are they? We're still here in the same situation. 
It's been the same story all night. People desperate for a house, a decent place to live. And they registered under the white regime, they registered again under the new ANC government, and they now all feel a deep sense of letdown. Betrayal is not too strong a word. It was time for the grandchildren to go to bed. Jeanette, Cabello and their mother Emily will share this one room, one bed. This is everything they have and everything they have any likelihood of having. <coughs> so time to try and get some sleep and I'm very aware that I'm probably better kitted out than most of the other people sleeping here and the cumulative effect of sleeping like this night after night with no hope really that you're going to get out must be very profound. And that's what I'm very aware of as I try and get a few hours sleep up at four because that's when people get ready to go to work here. It's quarter past four and uh, Mr and Julie is up and uh, time to get the water and start warming it up. I couldn't understand last night why we had to get up at four in the morning if he only has to be at work at seven. But he's got to get ready, then he's got to get the water ready for the kids, and that takes time again. And they've only got one paraffin burner. Every day, Philemon looks for labouring jobs on building sites. He often comes home empty-handed. Anna has to remain resilient, refusing to let go of her aspirations. I have to keep hoping for a good house. I have a hope in my heart that if I'm still alive, I will get it. For days, our undercover reporter had been calling the official he'd paid, anxious to know what was happening. Now he called us, saying he had the paperwork that would allow us to jump the housing queue. So are these the papers? What do I fill in here? Your phone number here. Write the 18th, last week. Albert said the paperwork would help secure a house in Cosmo City, explaining, officially, the waiting list had closed in 2004. Once signed, how long does it take to move into the house? It's not going to be long. I want to submit your stuff tomorrow. Then I'll talk to that guy to see if he'll do me a little favour. We were promised a set of keys within days, but we didn't want to risk a genuine family losing out on a home, so it was time to confront Albert Setwetwe. Excuse me, Albert? Albert? Hello, I'm Krishnan from Channel 4 in, in London. We understand you're selling homes in Cosmo City. Could you tell us about that and why? Why? Yeah, why, why are you selling homes why? in Cosmo City when it's illegal? No, we're going to. You're not doing that? 
We've got video evidence of you offering to get homes for people for 5,000 rand. Let me see. Let me see. Security guards at the shopping mall stopped us filming, so I walked with Albert out of the car park. I just want you to tell me the truth about what you've been doing. I told you I don't have a form of, of, of housing. I never filled any form. But did you ever offer to do that? Did you ever take money from anybody? No. You never took money from anybody? But a few days later, Albert rang us with a slightly different story. So, Albert, go ahead. Can you hear me? He couldn't understand why we were after him, but admitted he knew corruption in the housing system was common. Other people are doing that. If I have done anything like that, if I did bend the rules... If you did bend the rules, then what? I'm prepared, to put I'm prepared to refund that particular person if I did that. You're prepared to refund that person? Yeah. From what people told me in the squatter camps, it was quite true. Many officials exploit the desperation to get a house. I arranged to meet Trevor Manuel, a senior government minister in charge of the National Planning Commission, to tell him what we'd found. I start from the premise, and I say it frequently, that all corruption is theft from the poor. Um, an official like that needs to be reported, needs to be acted upon. Uh, but it's endemic, isn't it? I think the, the Planning Commission would concur that there is too much corruption. Uh, and our conviction rates for corruption are too low. The investigations are too poor in these areas. Uh, but every instance is an instance too many. Mr Manuel has been urging his ANC colleagues to do more to fight corruption. He was unusually frank about the extent of it. Do you think there is high-level corruption? Yes, there is high-level corruption. What do you think of a figure like Julius Malema? Should he open himself up to financial scrutiny? I do think that he should. I think that uh, all, all of us who have influence over uh, political processes uh, should be open to scrutiny. Malema continues to deny allegations of wrongdoing, but how long South Africa's townships will tolerate corruption is unclear. Since January last year, there have been over 130 violent protests, sparked by the lack of basic services and housing. In one case, an ANC councillor's house was set on fire. I returned to Cliptown to meet local leader Mandler. Despite everything, there is an enduring loyalty to the ANC here as the party that delivered freedom. But Mandler said patience was running out. People are tired of living in such a place like this. Also me, I'm also tired. The, 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 the government is sitting on a very, very a time bomb that can explode any time from these people. They feel betrayed. Who do they feel betrayed by? By government. Politicians in this country debate whether the expectations of the people are reasonable. They point to their successes, their increasing global voice. But in an age of uprising, where the poor look to countries in the north and east, 
and see people taking to the streets, South Africa cannot afford to ignore the warnings. If you've enjoyed that programme and want further information on the issues, do go to the website at channel4.com forward slash unreported world, where you'll be able to read reporter features, watch video extras and download previous podcasts. Until next week, from me, Krishnan Gurumurthy, goodbye. <laughs>